to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man on. He is the uh, Chancellor Emeritus from Texas Tech University, great state of Texas. It's Kent Hans. Kent, how are you? Good to see you. Doing great. Uh, glad to be on your show. I listened to it. Thank you. I appreciate that. He's also a former U.S. congressman, and he's got a lot of stories to tell. In fact, his podcast is called Kent Hance, H-A-N-C-E, the best storyteller in Texas podcast. And just talking to you for a minute, I can tell that you could probably tell a really good story. Uh, wh- when is the podcast done? I know that you're on my, my flagship station, WOAI, on the weekend. We are, and uh, we do a lot of things. We talk about, I usually talk about current affairs and also uh, about some of the things that I've done when I was in Congress and right. and some of the people I've met along the way, and I've interviewed some of those people. Uh, what what years were you in Congress? From what year to what year? I was I was elected in 1978, and uh, I served uh, through uh, uh, 84 and uh, ran for U.S. Senate and lost in a primary by 235 votes out of uh, over uh, uh, 2 million. That's and crazy. so uh, that's, uh, you know, a learning experience, to say the very least. So you were elected during Carter, the worst president in my lifetime until recently. I think recently we've had some pretty bad ones. But Carter was, in my opinion, a, a very weak president. We lost nationalism. We had the, the misery index was through the roof. So you get elected during really harsh times. And then you go through when we restored a love for America with Ronald Reagan until 1984. Right. That, that had to be a crazy time to be somebody who had a vote in Congress. Hey, it, it was. And, and Jimmy Carter was a nice man. But uh, he was he was in over his head, and he brought a bunch of people with him that uh, most of them didn't know uh, what they uh, they they didn't they didn't know what they were doing, right? And so uh, they were kind of lost. And Ronald Reagan came in and changed everything, and and really pushed being proud to be an American and doing everything possible to to promote the United States. We literally love the country again. We had Jimmy Carter who said, we're not going to go to the Olympics because we're, we're mad at the Soviet Union. We're not going to, we're not going to like the Christmas tree until the, uh, the Iranians release our hostages. And we just felt really bad. We had gas lines for the first time I can remember. Um, but, but I agree with you. He came off as a very nice guy. And I'll bet he is a nice guy. My parents, who tend to be more conservative, voted for him in 1976. I wasn't old enough yet. But um, but they voted for him because they believed the smile and they believed how, how he spoke. But when he got in that office, he just didn't seem to know what he was doing. And, and you think it was the people surrounding him. What do you think that? And the other thing, he got involved in everything that they said that he even looked at to see who was going to be playing on the tennis court at the White House. And wow. uh, President uh, uh, Reagan was just the opposite. He looked at the big picture. Uh, one time when I was carrying his tax cut, uh, he came in a meeting. We were having a meeting, Jimmy Baker, Secretary of Treasury later, and later Secretary of State under Bush. He was there, and and uh, uh, we had uh, uh, Congressman uh, Barbara Conable from New York, had Bob Dole, uh, Jack Kemp, all these people. And so he asked what, you know, what provision we were on, and, and Jimmy Baker answered, and, and Bush said, uh, uh, that we were Pre- Vice President Bush said we're working on Section 1328 of the tax code, and President Reagan said, "I don't know anything about that, and I don't want to know anything about it. I want y'all to remember this: I want to cut taxes, I want to cut spending, I want to cut regulations, and I want to keep the communists off our back. If it falls in those categories, then do it. If it doesn't, then don't do it. Talk to y'all Perfect. later." 
We need perfect advice. No, that's that's perfect, and that's exactly what you all ended up doing. By the way, it's uh, um, uh, Chancellor Emeritus from Texas Tech. It is um, also great podcast host Kent Hans, the best storyteller in Texas podcast. Go find it anywhere you li- you listen to great podcasts. That was really the job. You walk in and realize that Americans were being fleeced. I forget how high it was. Was it as high as ninety percent for the top uh, for the top level it earners? Been ninety two, and, and they'd, they'd gotten it down a few years earlier to seventy two. But seventy two percent of your uh, income Crazy. could be taxed at that time. And, and so we got it down and, and got it down in the thirties and that, uh, it was a step in the right direction. Uh, what happened is that when, when Reagan first got elected, uh, the house was controlled by the Democrats and the Senate was controlled by the Republicans. Okay. So he had to have some Democrats that would help him. And I'd gotten elected as a conservative Democrat. And so had Phil Graham, one of the great senators of all time. And, and Phil Graham and I uh, carried the ball for the president, for President Reagan. I carried the tax cut, and then he carried the uh, budget cuts. And I had, uh, there were 78 Democrats voted for Reagan's tax cut. Well, you couldn't get any Democrats that, that voted for Bush's tax cut or Trump's tax cut. They just wouldn't Zero. do it. Well, and, well and, then what, what, what changed? Do you think, Chancellor, you would be a Republican today? Well, uh, you know, and and, and I, I changed parties after I left Congress, yeah. and then I was the first Republican that was elected uh, uh, on a statewide basis other than a governor or a senator. And so I changed uh, parties in 1985. Phil Graham changed in, in 1982, and it uh, was very successful and served later in the U.S. Senate. But what, what happened with Reagan I'll give you one example. We had uh, we were meeting in the uh, White House in the Oval Office trying to get some Democrats to vote for the president's tax cut. And so he looked at uh, John Bro, who was a congressman from Louisiana right. and later a U.S. senator from Louisiana, and Billy Tozan, both from Louisiana, and he said, guys, y'all need to vote for this because I got over 70% of the vote in Louisiana. You got to help me. That's a good point. And, and uh, Bro said, we'd like to. But uh, you, you're lifting that uh, tax quota uh, uh, import fee on sugar, and it's going to kill my sugar cane farmers. And that's a fight between the sugar cane farmers and the soda pop people. Right. And the other was a tax cut for everyone in the nation. And so Reagan, who could really size up a deal, and he knew how to negotiate, Reagan says, Congressman, if I don't lift that quota, that import fee, would you vote with me on the tax cut? And he said, sure. And Reagan grabbed his hand, started shaking his hand, said, you got a deal? And he looked at Billy Tozan and he said, Congressman, what about you? And he said, I'll do that. So he shook his hand, picked wow. up two votes right there. We stayed at the White House Oval Office for about 30 minutes. There were seven Democrats that we'd, we brought up there. Six of the seven agreed. Uh, to support the president's tax cut. And so we left and went out to the West Portico and I had a little press conference and the president, when we had the sixth, the seventh that didn't agree to support Reagan's tax cut, he had to go out the back door. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we go out, we have a little press conference and I say we picked up six Democrats. They're going to vote for the president's tax cut and uh, talked about the tax cut. Then I asked for questions, and Sam Donaldson, who was just meaner than a junkyard dog, Sam Donaldson said, uh, uh, Congressman, bro, uh, why are you going to vote for this tax cut for the rich people? You know, 
anytime the press asks you, national press asks you about a tax cut, they're going to call it for the rich people or the right. Republicans or whatever. And it was for the work. It was for everyone. And he said, uh, why are you going to vote for this tax cut? Well, I thought he'd say it's good for the country. And bro said, because the president promised me that if I'd vote for it, then he's not going to lift the sugar import fee uh, on uh, sugar coming in from out of the United States. And Donaldson, Sam Donaldson said, Congressman, did you sell your vote? And Congressman Bro said, nope, I just rented it out for a while. <laughs> and I went, golly, I can't believe he said that. And he, and he said it, and I thought his career be over. Well, he went on to get elected to the U.S. Senate 18 years, and I think Louisiana, they got to thinking, yeah, that makes sense. He didn't sell it. He just rented it out. But he was working. Great. He was doing what he could to help the president. But Ronald Reagan could size up a deal better than anybody I've ever seen. He knew how to make a deal. He shook his hand. They, they parted, and within, you know, within less than 30 minutes, we'd picked up six new Democrats to vote for the bill. Wound up with getting seventy-eight, so it was it was huge victory, huge victory. We cut taxes across the board by twenty-five percent. Every American that paid any taxes of any kind got a twenty-five percent tax cut. Huge, and uh, it it spurred the economy. The economy did great for a long period of time. It's uh, Chancellor Ken, uh, Ken Hans. I can listen to you talk all day. Hanspodcast.com. H-A-N-C-E podcast.com. Go and find this podcast. Kent Hans, the best storyteller in Texas podcast. Uh, make sure you go and listen to it. So what caused the divide? And by the way, when I said uh, you would be a Republican, I, I mean when you were elected as a Democrat, today's Republican is basically, I mean, John F. Kennedy would be a Republican today, to be honest with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, Kennedy- I mean, we, go ahead. Kennedy was big for cutting taxes. He cut yes. taxes across the board. And the next person to do it was Ronald Reagan. And, uh, so it, it was, uh, it, it was a big deal. And, and I think the country has gotten more partisan for a couple of reasons. One is that these legislatures, uh, have, uh, tried to save members of Congress to get more seniority and they've tried to make safe districts. So there's not out of 435 people in Congress, there's probably not but about 35 or 40 that have districts that can be won by a Democrat or a Republican. And wow. so you have a competitive district. The rest of them, if you're a Democrat, you have to worry about getting beat from the left, so they move further to the left. If you're a Republican, you have to worry get, about getting beat from the right, so you move further to the right, and there's less room to compromise. But you look, go back to the Madison papers, and that uh, when he was writing, he envisioned – that this country, there was going to have to be give and take. And a lot of people you deal with now, they expect they expect you to go to Washington and get 100% of what they want. Well, that's not going to happen. Right. And uh, you, there's going to be give and take, and that, uh, that that's how you get things accomplished. And, and if you go buy a car, there's going to be give and take. If you're going to pass legislation, there's going to be give and take. And so I, I think that the problem has been, that it's been uh, there's there's been no give and take. It's just it's either my way or the highway, 
Congressman, is, is there a time that we is there a time that we can point to exactly when that happened? In my lifetime, I feel like it wasn't even Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton had to work with uh, with Newt Gingrich and ended up being a successful moderate Democrat where he was going to be more progressive. Was it George W. Bush? Was it Barack Obama that did it? I feel like it was Obama, but I'm a conservative guy. Maybe it's because of policy, but I feel like the real division in this country came from him. It was the rich versus the poor. It was the black versus the white. It was the uh, the the Christian versus the Jew or versus the Muslim. He divided us on just about every characteristic he could. I feel like it was him, but was it before him where it changed? It started changing. Uh, I, I think one thing happened was that you had uh, uh, with with the television cable, cable television, okay. you had people that that were were more to one side or the other. And to get on the program, you had to say th- something that was going to be catching news and, and ca- catching people's attention. So they moved a little further to the right or to the left. But during the meantime, uh, you had more people getting redistricted and they, they were just trying to get elected and, yep. and survive their, their party caucus and their party primary. Uh, but Obama, there's no question that he was a divisive guy and never tried to compromise with anyone. And, uh, it was, uh, it was just a bad time. And that he could have done so much uh, for this country, but uh, he he never did. That was not his agenda. Well, he had a unique opportunity being the first black president to actually bring us together better than anybody else did. And what's interesting is whether you like how he wears his suit or you like his hair or not or how he tweets, Donald Trump did more for the black community than Barack Obama did in eight years. And people still call the guy a racist. So can let me ask you this, Kent. Can we bring the country back together? Like Reagan got the, the labor union vote. I can't, it still blows my mind that the labor unions were voting for Reagan. Um, can we get back to that or not? We can, but it's going to be difficult, and, and I don't see it happening in the immediate future. Uh, it'll take someone that will be uh, uh, charismatic, that they'll be promoting, uh, let's work together to solve these problems. But that person may be out there, may come come about. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the country is really divided. Uh, you have people that uh, just hate people that disagree with them. And uh, that that's something I always tried to be friends with everyone in Congress, get along with them. I, I always figured they have a constitutional right to be wrong, and they exercise it sometimes. <laughs> and uh, that uh, you know that that's just that's just part of it. But but you don't know. There may be someone on a bill that may be on the other side, and then you know six months from now, they you may politics has strange bedfellows. Yeah, but it's uh, gotten to the point that they just ignore that, and it's just like if you're not on my team, then you're against uh, everything, and I'm against you 100 percent of the time. And that's not good for the country. Well, it's not because you even come out as being against something when you're not against it. I'll never forget. I think it was Bart Stupak, who was the guy in Michigan, the representative of Michigan, who is is pro life, but he's a Democrat, and and Obama needed him. And Obama signed an executive order that was a lie, saying that the Affordable Care Act would not include abortion. So Stupak and I think 12 others or something who were Democrats who were against the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, they voted for it while holding their nose. And it turned out they lied to them. So I don't even, I don't even know how you bring people together on their own side, like a Bart Stupak or like you, if you ran today, would be a Republican. I, I think there should be there should be moderate Republicans. There should be conservative Democrats. That makes for a better country, doesn't it? does and and it makes it easier to work things out 
Yes. As as a Republican today, uh, you know, I would work with with anyone, uh, and you stayed by your principles, uh, but you also make sure that you're in a position that you you can compromise. You don't give up your core beliefs, but uh, if you're fighting over certain things that can be compromised, you try to work out what's best. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. HansPodcast.com, H-A-N-C-E podcast.com. He's former U.S. Congressman in Texas Tech Chancellor Ken Hans. Uh, Ken, I mean this when I say it, Chancellor. I can listen to you talk all day. I listen to you, to you tell stories. Uh, the best storyteller in Texas podcast is what it's called. Is going to be a joy for my listeners and for my viewers as well. I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Can we do more of this? I'd be glad to. Uh, I really enjoyed it and always enjoy listening to you. Thank you so much. And I, I, I hope that people hear your perspective and we come together more as Americans. Thank you very much, Chancellor. We're back okay. after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pad Show. Great to have you along for the ride. We really appreciate the uh, Chancellor Emeritus from Texas Tech, Kent Hans, coming on. Great storyteller. Definitely going to have him back on. I mean, he just told a few stories about the Carter and Reagan era, and uh, I like what he had to say. Make sure you check out his podcast, um, HansPodcast.com, and uh, it's going to be great for you because, again, I talk really fast. He slows it down, tells the story, really lets you feel the emotion of it. I like that a lot. Going to be out a couple of days. We're going to big doings tomorrow. Make sure you're looking for the videos and the audio and the, the pictures and everything over on Instagram and on YouTube, Joe Talk Show on TikTok. It's Joe Pags, J-O-E-P-A-G-S. And make sure you go to JoePags.com. That's always your one stop for everything for the show. This is a pop culture. Pop. Dirty pop. What's happening, Polo? So this is pretty interesting since you had uh, Jordan Belfort on earlier. Right. Uh, the Lamborghini that they used in the movie Wolf of Wall Street uh, is up for sale. And of course, you haven't seen I didn't the movie. see it. Is it a nice one? I mean, it, it's uh, I guess it's an eighty an eighty nine Lamborghini Countach twenty fifth anniversary. Countach, yeah. Yes, Countach. Um, nice. And they're saying that right now it's it's an estimated one point five million to two point million dollars. Wow! And it's in as filmed condition, so it's not. In what does that shape. mean? <laughs> Come on! Yeah. Wait, would you buy it? Uh, no. Not a chance. All right, Paul, appreciate you. Thanks, Kerry. I'm Joe. Going to be out of here for a couple of days. Y'all have an incredible night. Make sure you stop by the website. See you later. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show. 